Well, hello there. My name is Jan Burt, and this is my podcast, The Burt Not Ernie Show, where we talk about God's promises and the hope those promises bring to our everyday lives. Whenever I meet somebody new, I introduce myself as Jan Burt and say, like Burt and Ernie, since it's easy to confuse my last name with a different one. And almost always, people smile when they think of Burt and Ernie. That got me thinking. I'm a Burt, and I'm not an Ernie. But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello and welcome to this episode of the podcast where we focus on getting the promises of God into the people of God. And by that, I mean, we move from knowing what God has promised in the Bible to living in a state of total belief that everything that he has promised is going to prove true. And when we talk about those promises on the show, I encourage my listeners to realize that the promises that God has made are going to prove true for them specifically. Sometimes it's really easy for us to believe that God's promises will be true in an overarching, very broad sense, and they will be. It can be harder to believe that they're going to be true for us, especially when we're in a difficult or trying or taxing situation. So uh, that's what the show is about. I'm so grateful you're joining me for this episode, and I'm excited to dive into yet another hot topic promise from the New Testament book of Ephesians. You're listening to the Burt Not Ernie Show podcast, part of the Spark Network, now playing via the Edify app. This is episode number 146. All right, hot topic. So, you know, to be sure, the church has had to kind of square up against a whole, like, I guess a mess of them, a whole slew of them down through the years, down through the centuries, I guess. You know, it's not always fun to have to have conversations that can be challenging, if we're honest, when the culture versus the word of God, the clash is so intense. Those can be difficult conversations to have. But the hot topics that I'm addressing in this series are not really those hot topics. These are hot topics that believers can kind of struggle with, oftentimes without even realizing that that struggle is taking place. In the last two episodes of the show, we've talked about power and yes, living in light of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power that was promised to Jesus's followers. That can be hard to actually do, especially when we find ourselves looking at the state of the world looking at heartbreak on a broad scale and on an individual scale. Just so many people are dealing with very difficult things. And all of the varied aspects of life in a fallen world can make it hard to believe that we can live with the promise of this power. It's a faith stretcher to really believe that God's promise to give us the power to live out the Christian life in a post-Christian world, that that will prove true. But the Holy Spirit, he's not going to fail us. And so, you know, whether it's faith stretching or not, it's worth it to make the jump from eh, so-so faith to I'm all in faith. We also touched on the hot topic of the promise of forgiveness. The difference between feeling like forgiving someone and deciding, choosing to forgive them. There's a big difference. Forgiving because God has forgiven you. Forgiving simply because he has told us that we must forgive. Because if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. That's what it says in Matthew 6, 15. Yep, that's why that's a hot topic. So today we're taking a look at another hot topic and the promise that God gives us in his word about maturity. Maturity. 
You know, I'm going to read to you some verses from the book of Ephesians. And this book is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the New Testament church, the first century church at Ephesus. And then I'm going to share some words that Jesus gave to that same church at Ephesus as he, as he directed John to write them in the book of Revelation. So Jesus spoke the words to John and said, John, send these letters to the churches. And there are some words written directly to this same group of people that we're referencing in the podcast today from Ephesians chapter chapter 4. All right. Now, look, you know, at this particular moment in time in which we're living, there's just so much going on. You know, I wonder if I could safely say that anything I read out of the book of Revelation can automatically qualify as a hot topic. That's a subject that's like, woo, that thing is on fire. It's so hot. Yeah, probably that's the truth. But these words to these churches, they can be applied to us today, right now in our churches and in our individual walks with the Lord. So hot topic or not, we're going to we're going to hit on these directly and head on without any wavering and no watering down of the word of the Lord. Okay, I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 through 16 from the New Living Translation. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Oh boy. All right, there we go. Maturity, the thing that is so often emphasized to, say, the teenage years, right? I mean, we emphasize it to teenagers. The older people is what I mean by me. The thing that we bemoan in regard to the quote unquote younger generation. Oh, they're not as, they're, they're so immature. They're not as mature as I was when I was this age and all of that stuff. That's really often, honestly, it's not really true. (laughs) We are all immature as young people. Let's just own it. And something we don't regularly apply to ourselves as disciples of Jesus. I can point at somebody else and say, this generation as a whole, they're very immature. How often do I point at myself and say, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus who knows what the word of God says, I know it well enough to not have an excuse for my behavior. Am I pointing at myself and saying, I am so immature as a Christian? Or am I just pointing at others and throwing that around? Let me tell you, based on this text I just read and the words that I'm going to share from Revelation, we need to apply these words to ourselves, or we may just find ourselves in a whole bunch of trouble. This hot topic, if we ignore it, we can land us in hot water, in a hot spot, and uh, let's not do that. It's not necessary because God has given us what we need here in his word. God gave certain gifts to the church, and since they are his gifts to give to his church, which bears his name, the body of Christ, I think we need to not negate those gifts and choose to live well in light of what he has given. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Living well often means simply being thankful and not wanting something different than what we have right now. God gave us leadership. 
That is very clear in the text I read. This is good to remember. This is important to remember. Leadership is not always perfect. And, you know, there are for sure some spiritual leaders who are downright abusive, who are, you know, Paul and Jesus talked about that the flock being, you know, the leaders being invaded by um, tricksters, basically, who really wanted to do harm to the body of Christ. So that's a real thing. I'm not I'm not going to take one part of the Bible and lead without other parts. So that's a real thing. The Lord is not about that kind of behavior. He makes that very, very clear in his word. Old Testament and New Testament, how shepherds shepherd the flock matters so much to the Lord. Just as we see again and again, uh, all throughout the Bible, he does not play around for very long when the shepherds fail to do what he has called them to do, what he considers their duty. So let's just get that out of the way right from the get-go. I agree with the Lord. I agree with his word. And that includes him stating plainly that there is a higher degree of accountability and a very high expectation of caring for the flock placed on those in leadership. In the American church, we call them apostles. I'm sorry, we call them pastors. We don't really refer to apostles as pastors now, but excuse me, pastors, um, maybe your Bible study teachers, those can be people who are going to have a higher degree of accountability because they're teaching. Um, Your board of elders, these are the things I want you to think about in terms of like, Maybe you're like, well, I don't know that we have. Do we have still in this day these all this list of things that was mentioned here in Ephesians, the uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers? Well, I believe we actually do, but we just have the names we give them. You're not going to hear apostles and maybe like prophets, maybe even evangelists as words that are commonly used in the church as much as they used to be, and maybe not as much as they should be. Just throwing that out there. But so leadership isn't perfect. God's standard is higher than our standard by far. He's made it just so plain that what he does expect and when he doesn't what he doesn't condone, they're just they're they're diametrically opposed to each other. He cares about the flock so much. Remember this, he cares about the flock as a whole and each individual so much that he sent his son to die for them. So if you've been in a hard spot and experienced some difficult things, I want you to hear this first of all. God has seen all of that. He knows and he's aware. So don't assume that he's ever telling you to stay like in an abusive, you know, maybe just like an impossible to survive, uh, cultish type of a a religious system. I'm not going to say a healthy church. I'm not even going to say church because you can be very religious and be very, very far from Christianity. So I'm just putting that out there. I do. So I want you to know, I understand some of the struggles you might be facing, but more than that, the Lord understands and he sees it all. And yet he still has something for you from this text about your maturity. And that includes the leadership of the church. It may be hard. It may feel hard and it may be hard depending on where you are in the world to find a healthy church body to connect with where you feel like there's good, safe, solid leadership keep leaning in and praying about that. I cannot speak into every situation. If you're listening, say in Nigeria, I cannot necessarily speak into what your circumstances are like right now, but I will pray. And I mean that when I finish recording this episode, I will pray that you are able to move forward according to the will of the Lord into a safe, healthy, functional portion of the body of Christ, the big C global from 2000 years on till today church, because he has good for you. Safer shepherding is sometimes what we need. If you will, just really, really pray and ask him. Um, I've seen him do it in, in my life personally, my husband's life, my children's life. You can pray and ask for that. He is such a good God. But don't 
abandon the church as a whole and throw out this attitude. You know, we get this attitude in America sometimes about we pick and choose what leadership we like. In the church, we have to recognize leadership is from God. Let's not throw that out and think that we actually can choose, overly choose, hyper choose what's right and what's wrong. Let's let God do the deciding and let him do the judging and the dealing with. uh, And let's just keep loving him and loving his people and respecting the leadership he instituted. So keep that in mind. Keep trusting Jesus. I promise he's with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's got you and he's got your back. Apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. These are from the Lord and he gave them responsibilities to equip his people to do his work and to build up the church. Leaders have tasks. They have responsibilities. Do you have enough bandwidth in your life for the people in those positions and their roles to actually do their work of equipping and building you up? Or is it just like, I am not letting anybody into my life. I don't have enough room to grow up in the Lord, to be equipped, to be built up. If you don't, that is a mark of immaturity. I'm just saying, it just is. If you do, I promise you're going to mature more and more, like week by week, year by year. That is what God wants. He wants you to become a mature Christ follower. Immaturity is not a value in the kingdom of our God. So leadership bears the responsibility of equipping you. But what are they equipping you for? To do God's work. God has things for you to do that fit in with his kingdom agenda at this moment in time on his kingdom calendar. He really does. You know, you matter so incredibly much and your life your time, that matters too. You're not leftovers. You've not been sidelined. Your leaders are equipping you to do the things God has planned for you to be doing. That is what they are commissioned, if you will, to do. Equipping you to do the things that you are to be doing according to God's plan and purpose. So when you feel convicted or challenged, and sometimes when you just feel encouraged by a message Maybe someone admonished you. Maybe there's something you hear in small group and you're convicted, challenged, encouraged, any of those things. All of those things are part of God's equipping so that you can be about his doing. He equips you so that you can do his will. Isn't that comforting to know? Like how you're doing, like really how you are doing matters so much to the Lord that he has put leadership in place so that you will be doing well. You will be built up, not torn down. This is going to continue until we are mature. Those are the those are the words used in this text from Ephesians 4, until we all come to such unity in our faith. This is not unity in our personal likes or dislikes, in our hobbies, in our meal preferences, what we do for our work on a daily basis, where we live. No, no, unity in our faith. Unity in our faith. We're not talking about one global amalgamated worldwide religion kind of unity where everything and everybody and you know that that tree is what I worship and no no we're not talking about that that is not what this is about unity of our faith our faith specific to what we believe those of us who follow Jesus he is our Lord he is our Savior he is the King of Kings and we know that at his name you know every knee every knee is gonna you're gonna you're gonna bow Every head's going to bow. Every knee's going to bow. That's what's, you're going to be on your knees before him. Everybody around the world. We're talking about the unity of our faith, not broad, ambiguous, amalgamated faith. No, no. Our specific faith. Are we, are we growing in this way? Are we becoming more unified in our faith and our knowledge of God's son? If you and I are not increasing and growing in our, now, in our knowledge of Jesus, 
and we're moving in the wrong direction as his people. Are you growing? Like every year, every month, every week, maybe every day, can you take note of growth? You should be growing personally and also in your unity in the body and your knowledge of Jesus. Do you know Jesus better today than you did yesterday? Do you know Jesus better now than you did last year? Are you measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ? And if you happen to be in an area of church leadership, are you equipping and building up your people, the flock you have been entrusted to care for? Verse 14, that's what comes next. And it tells us that the then it tells us that then we will no longer be immature like children. That we're, that the then that he gives us here matters. This then matters. We will no longer be like immature children. You do these things. You do the equipping and the building up, or you receive the equipping and the building up, and you work toward knowing Jesus better, and you, you make an aim to have unity in your faith. Not division with everybody that's a Christian, but you're getting along out here with, with your neighbors and your coworkers and people who don't know, you know, the Lord at all, but you're, 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 making peace with them in areas where you shouldn't be biblically, like you shouldn't be unequally yoked. You shouldn't be, can two walk together unless they agree, wrote King Solomon. Like you're in agreement with them on things when internally you're like, "Mm, I'm not comfortable with this, but I'm going to, you know, but, but when it comes to church relationships, you're like divisive and you're cutting. Okay. Hey, you know, evaluate that. Evaluate that. You will no longer be immature when you get those things in order biblically. And as a leader, You want the blessing that God has for you. So be about the work of equipping and building up the people he has given you to lead, right? Because a shepherd takes care of the flock and is also a good, trustworthy leader, a servant leader. Are you ready for this kind of Christian living to not be immature anymore? Don't answer too quickly. All that stuff I just said, rather than answering quickly, answer with utter honesty and not to me, to the Lord. Are you ready for this? There's a reason this is on the hot topics list because it's touchy and it feels dicey and it can take us out of our comfort zones and remove us from our ability to exert our own control over the situation. But that control, it's only faux control anyway. We don't really have control. So really all it does is is uh, slow us down and hinder us when we feel like we're controlling situations. Or I'm in control. And it can also show us the truth when we recognize, oh, maybe not as in control as I thought I was, like, I'm not in control at all. God is on the throne. I'm not. We're not going to be tossed and blown around by every wind of new teaching. That's good news. Now, here, we're arriving at the promise that comes with maturity. So far, it's been like me bludgeoning you with what the Word of God says about uh, where you're at maturity-wise. And now, here's the promise. We will not be tossed and blown about. Ever felt that way? Should I ask instead, how often have you felt that way? You know, I'm thinking you could open up, say, TikTok, start scrolling your feed for a few minutes. And if your algorithm aims you toward content that is Christian in nature, then in those handful of minutes, those dozens of thumb swipes, you can feel tossed and blown about by winds of new teaching. And I'm talking about if you are following You know, algorithm gives you things that are Christian content. You can be tossed around right here in the midst of uh, your Christian life. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about this. We're getting real about your social media and and all the things coming at you. Why? Because that's what's mentioned in this passage. 
when you're mature, you're not going to be tossed about and deceived by the clever lies that the enemy is trying to tell you. He's not telling you lies about things that you know are untrue. He's trying to sneak in there with lies that uh, warp the word of God, that make you doubt the Lord, that, oh, maybe I missed something over here. Is there is there something I don't understand because I haven't? Maybe I need to go follow this new spiritual leader or teacher and, and kind of begin to abandon some of the things I've always believed. Like just that blown about. And I'm not saying you should never read another book outside of the Bible. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying I'm talking about that tossed and blown about feeling that is just a horrible way to live. You know what I'm talking about. I know you've experienced this. And I say it's a horrible way to live because the stress of did I miss something? Am I on the wrong track? Oh my goodness, what's going on? And and the, the, the rapidity with which we get hit with this stuff. Now, in this era that was not true 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 50, 100 years ago, let alone 2,000 years ago. It's rapid fire. And so we need right now so very much to be mature so that we will not be tossed and blown about. It's an exhausting way to live. It's not how God wants us to live. We can apply this promise every day of our lives, and it's so good to know that we don't need to be blown around or tossed about. God wants us to have clarity, and he has given us the means to that end right here in Ephesians. We're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. That's the real issue here. Lies so clever they sound like the truth that influence us. Anybody else need to hear that today? Anybody else living on this planet in 2023 need to hear this promise. Look, there can be a fair amount of truth mixed in with the lies. Satan's good at that. We can get really confused, like confusled about which way is up. Is this the best way to honor the Lord and love people well at the same time? You know, in some arenas, there's zero confusion and it's easy as pie to know right from wrong. But there's a deception at play in this world. Satan used this tactic During Jesus' 40 days in the desert, Jesus came to his end of the 40 days. It says that the Spirit of God, after he was baptized, the Spirit led him into the desert. He was there for 40 days. Uh, He was not eating or drinking. It's a supernatural, it's it's just an amazing passage of Scripture. And then here comes Satan, and he begins to tempt him by quoting the Word of God. Like, not not adding words to the to the word of God, like just saying what the word of God says, but he was doing it in a way that it was just twisted enough that it wasn't, even though it was exactly what the word of God said, it really wasn't a, being applied appropriately to this situation. That's the kind of deception Satan is bringing at us all the time. And so this is our promise to not be taken for a ride by his tricky clever lies that sound true. The reason they sound true is because he uses the word of God. He puts enough truth in there, but tries to add his deceptive spin. He really is purely evil, and it's good for you to know that that's who your enemy actually is, a deceiver and a liar, and he can't be anything else. And so you need to be so rooted in Jesus and so much like the recipient of his promises that he can't get at you in that way. Do you think that we get exempted from this kind of stuff in life? We do not. We don't. Satan is as Satan does. And what he does is take the word of God and twist it just enough to trick us with clever lies. So yes, this promise is one that we need on the daily and we can have it on the daily provided we will grow in maturity. There's the rub. Maturity matters probably far more than we realize. Instead of being tricked or influenced by clever lies that sound like the truth, we're going to speak the truth in love. 
This is key. We're not going to be influenced, but rather we will speak with influence. That's so much better. You don't get to know God's son more and more, better and better, and dodge the bullet of clever deceptions and and stay silent, say nothing, hide in a corner like a mouse. That's not how this works. This passage tells us that it's like it's step by step. So you're growing in maturity and you're receiving the promise that you literally are not being tricked and deceived. And then you're called to speak the truth in love. You get to do the influencing instead of being influenced. So you can't grow in this way and then say, but I'm never going to share this with anybody else. Ah, that's not what the Lord wants. That's not what it means when he says, speak the truth in love. How do you do that if you never speak the truth in love to anybody? Rhetorical question. It would be nonsensical to think that you can do what this passage says, but you never do what it says. But sometimes that's exactly how we live. So you get the promise as you mature, and it's your own promise. You find solid solid leadership. They're speaking the truth and love to you, and they're building you up, and they're equipping you. You're not tossed around anymore. You're not tricked with lies. And then you, in turn, are speaking the truth and love, and you're going to grow more in every way. It doesn't say in a couple of ways. It says you're going to grow in every way. And what's that growth toward? becoming more and more like Jesus. That's the end goal, to know God's son and to be conformed to his image, literally becoming more and more like him. That is the goal, and it's a great life goal. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He said it, not me, perfectly. He knows best where you will fit best. So as you yield to him, you will be led more and more by him and will find the place where you fit perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Isn't that beautiful? You will do your special work in the way that only you can. And then others are going to are gonna grow as a result. It's really amazing. So the speaking the truth and love part of this is actually important. You're not called to hide away. You're called to do what it says. Speak the truth in love. The truth, not any old truth, not what feels right at the moment, not what's going to make you um, really popular in the workplace or at school on the campus. No, the truth, the truth. So you need to know what your Bible says or you're not going to know what truth you are to be speaking and to do it in love. You don't only speak the truth in hate, disgust, annoyance, self-righteous piousness, and the spirit of religion. If that's the only way you speak the truth, you need to take that to the Lord. Repent, and I do mean repent, and get your life right with Jesus. Like by that I mean you yield, you you bend the knee, you you kneel down at Jesus's feet, and you just say, "I give over." I'm not doing it this way anymore. It has to be by the power of your Holy Spirit. If I can't speak the truth in love, uh, wow, I don't know. I'm, I'm utterly failing at this portion of scripture. And you can pray and say, I know that you're going to help me to speak the truth in love and take away the spirit of religion, self-righteousness, hatred, whatever it might be. In love, sacrificial, generous, goes the second mile kind of love. And then, and then, That's when the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See why this is such a hot topic? Because there's a lot here. It's super convicting. It feels impossible, but it's not. As Jesus said, with man, it might be impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. And we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So that's what takes everything impossible and makes it completely possible. And that, my friend, wakes up a watching world and brings about a healthier, more just like joyful church when we really see the power of God moving in our midst. 
a healthy, growing, full of love kind of church that makes an impact on everybody around it and everyone within it. Is that not what we ought to want to be happening? That's what God wants to come to pass. Let's get on board with his program and see what he will do. Don't ask him to get on board with your program and your plans. Take it from me. Just skip that step. Leave that in the trash bin where it belongs. Put that with the rubbish. Get on board with what he's doing and what he wants to do next. And that is all pretty well detailed in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I encourage you to read it maybe even a few times in the next week or two. Read over that passage, mark it on your calendar, put a reminder in your phone, read it over, pray over it, and just say, Holy Spirit, what needs to be, what, where do I need to yield to you more? What needs to change in my life in regard to this passage? And will you do that changing work? And he will do it. He will do it. If you think it's going to be too hard or too outside your depth to speak the truth in love, and if you wonder how that's going to help you grow in every way like Christ, bear in mind that what you teach most is what you know best. You're great at working on cars? Well, you'll never know it better than after you've just taught it. Never. Change in a water pump. You're never going to know that better than after you just taught some other people how to change a water pump. And the longer you teach something, the better you know it. Teaching should really just be speaking the truth in love when it comes to the word of God. When you don't have an answer for something, you can commit to find the answer and then dig into the word of God and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom you need. I know some people never share because they're afraid of what if I get asked a question I can't answer? Here's what you do. Admit, I'm not totally sure, but man, I'm going to try to find out. And you really do. Pray. Ask a a trusted form of leadership. Good leadership will help you in this, in your church, your pastor, your Bible study leader. You know, ask questions if you need more help and really pray. But that realness doesn't have to be a deterrent for that person coming to Jesus. It might very well be the exact thing that they need because somebody is finally going to answer that hard question. Somebody shared with them the hard truth and somebody's going to help them find the answer for their hard question. Uh, You know, per this portion of the Bible... Nobody gets off scot-free here. Did you notice that? Nobody gets off scot-free here. Everyone, leaders and laymen, pastors and parishioners, have a call to certain things. And will that call bring about the results he wants, right? I mean, well, if it doesn't, rest assured, there'll be a day of reckoning, a day to give an account to the Lord. How about we just do it his way so that on that day, which is known as the, the judgment before the great white throne. Yes, believers face a judgment. It's for your rewards, right? God means it when he says, Jesus meant it when he said he has rewards for his people who do his will his way. Uh, you know, let's make that a really good day rather than one where everything that we did that was kind of not fully for his kingdom just burns up like hay, stubble, and straw. Okay, home stretch here. Last little bit. It's a long episode today, so thank you for hanging with me. I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Remember, this is just down the road a few more pages in your Bible. This is Jesus speaking to this same church at Ephesus, right? You just go from Ephesians to the book of Revelation. Just flip some pages and you're there. You can read it for yourself. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. And I'm going to skip... Um, I'm going to skip a little bit certain parts of it because of the fact that I'm already at 30 minutes, more than 30 minutes for this uh, episode. So, but you can read it all for yourself. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds seven stars in his hands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Yet, 
You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay, those are the very words of Jesus. That's exactly what he said to these exact people that Paul wrote this letter to that I just referenced from Ephesians chapter 4. It's also what he says to us today. I don't want you to miss that. This isn't about just them back then, far away somewhere. No, no, this is for us today. He knows. He doesn't miss anything. We cannot allow our hurts, even and maybe especially our church hurts, to be a reason to just stop being the people of God. We can't. We're not allowed to. Doing that is a kind of like, look at that as a luxury you just cannot afford. It might feel a little more comfortable right now, a little less like controversial. I'm not in people's junk. It's not stretching me to crucify my flesh more and more. It's just more comfortable. I just want to live out the rest of my days with a modicum of of comfort. No, that's a luxury you cannot afford. The price is just too high. He will come and take away our lampstand, he says. We won't be his anymore. Think about that. This is so, so serious, my friend. Whatever it takes, remain in the place of your first love. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. Love Jesus. And if you've turned away from your first love, do what the Lord says here. Consider how far you have fallen and repent. Do the things you did at first. If you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, then please hear. Hearken to his call and respond. Get it? Got it? Good. That's the end of today's episode, and I'm so thankful you've joined me for this third installment of the Hot Topic series. It's hard, but it's good. You know, I've actually been working on a Bible study idea that I call the good hard, uh, because stuff like this can be hard if not just reading over it. That's pretty easy. Check off your daily Bible reading, but like applying it, letting the Lord change you in the ways that really, really, really are hard and difficult, feels like spiritual surgery. That's why I call it the good hard. Uh, That seems pretty fitting for this episode of the podcast. So thanks for hanging with me through this good hard hot topic. And hey, we're getting close to the 150th episode of the Burt Not Ernie show. Uh, I'm planning a fun event, surprise giveaway for that episode. So details to come, but I wouldn't want you to miss it because who doesn't love a giveaway? Giveaways are super fun. I would be so honored if you felt like sharing this episode with a friend, uh, with your pastor, um, at the Lord's leading. It could be an encouragement for those in Christian leadership to know that there are people out there in their church body who are really want to live more like Jesus, who want to grow under their leadership, who want to um, mature in Christ as they are being led by the leaders, that particular pastor or leadership, that could be so encouraging for them. And this could just be a way for you to let them know, hey, man, I'm really, I'm in your corner. I'm thankful for you. And I'm, um, I'm growing and being built up. Thank you for the work that you do for the body of Christ. Trust me, pastors need encouraging too. High five to the church leaders who are all in for Jesus and who are following the words of Paul as we find them here at Ephesians chapter four. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app.
I'm so glad you joined me for this episode of the Burt Not Ernie Show. It's an honor and a blessing to talk about God's promises with you. Have a fabulous day. And remember, part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Lord bless. I'll see you next time.